here's the problem that I see is that physical therapists are intellects. A lot of times they have no background in sports, no background in exercise. And that right there is the disconnect. It's like, how could I tell you how to run wiring in your house if I've never set up wiring in your house. Like I haven't done it personally. And I think for me, the perspective that I really try to share with my team and is put yourself in the patient's shoes, right? Like understand the needs for them and what their goals are. If that's dancing, like really breaking down the biomechanics of, of dancing and like what do you need to, to be able to accomplish that? If it's baseball, if it's basketball, if it's Olympic weightlifting, if it's powerlifting, like put yourself in the patient's shoes. And a lot of times there's a disconnect, in particular when it comes to physical therapists with exercise, is because they've been really smart their whole entire lives. And a lot of times they don't have the background necessarily in sports like I was blessed to have. And you can't just learn movement in a classroom. You can't just learn movement through like a textbook. You have to actually move. You have to feel what it feels like. Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring our relationship to movement and how it impacts every other aspect of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek, movement guide and co-founder of Evolna, an intuitive movement lifestyle company, helping people create a more fulfilling relationship to their body and self. Through my work in the fields of dance and fitness, I've always been deeply connected to movement and fascinated by how it shapes us. Join me as I dive into conversations with esteemed professionals from a variety of fields and backgrounds. Together, we'll gain insight into their personal movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope this podcast inspires and empowers you to create a more authentic relationship with your body as you experience the tremendous ripple effect movement can have on all other facets of your life. New episodes will be released on Friday mornings every other week. In the meantime, enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to welcome today's guest, Dr. Kellen Scantlebury. Kellen is a certified strength and conditioning coach, as well as a licensed doctor of physical therapy. In 2015, he founded Fit Club, a physical therapy and sports performance clinic based in New York City. He's incredibly passionate about movement and using its many benefits to help people reach their health and fitness goals. In today's episode, we discuss the pitfalls and shortcomings of physical therapy, the importance of mindset and its effects on our mental and physical health, and how even in the midst of this pandemic, Fit Club has been able to deliver even greater outcome measures and improvements for their clientele. Kellen offers us so many powerful points of insight within this conversation, and I'm honored to have him on here with us today. So without further ado, let's tune in. Kellen, it's so good to have you on the podcast. This is another interview that's been a long time coming, and I'm thrilled we could make this work together today. Mm -hmm. Same. Very excited. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to really diving deep into the world of health and fitness with you today. Yeah. So let's kick things off. Tell us your story. And if you could go ahead and elaborate on some of the specific experiences that led you to found Fit Club New York, which is the business that you run today. Mm -hmm. Same. Very excited. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to really diving deep into the world of health and fitness with you today. Yeah. So let's kick things off. Tell us your story. And if you could go ahead and elaborate on some of the specific experiences that led you to found Fit Club New York, which is the business that you run today. Yeah. So um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dr. Kellen Scannelberry. I'm a physical therapist and certified strength and conditioning coach. Uh, my journey started, whew, I'm going to say like 
going back to like three years old. And it really started with like sports and athletics, uh, in particular basketball. I was just, you know, known as like a basketball player from the time I was young, all the way up until I graduated, you know, college. I got a full scholarship to play basketball at CW Post University. And there's actually where I was introduced to the field of physical therapy. As a, as a student athlete, I was blessed to play on some really amazing teams, um, had some great teammates and great coaches. Uh, we won a few championships in college. And then heading into my senior year, I was really looking to elevate, you know, my game in particular so that I can pursue playing professionally. And I was practicing with these guys from overseas and I ended up breaking my foot. So that was like, you know, I've had multiple like sprained ankles, you know, growing up, but like never something like super serious that, you know, potentially required surgery or being put in a cast. So that was my first experience with physical therapy. Uh, I had a young physical therapist who was, uh, you know, really energetic, uh, really understood my goals and what I was looking to get back to and really pushed me to get there. So I was on a pre-med track. I knew I wanted to go into like the health and science space anyway. Um, but once I was, you know, exposed to like what an actual physical therapist does in the day to day, I really, you know, started to think like that's the path that I can see myself going down. Fast forward, graduate that year, we end this, the school year, the number two nation in the country, or excuse me, number two team uh, in the nation. We were undefeated until our last game. We lost in the final four. And then I had a little bit of an identity crisis at that point because I was always, you know, killing the athlete. And when, you know, sports and athletics is over, a lot of people have uh, trouble really like trying to like figure out where they fit into society. A lot of people want to consistently pursue that goal because it's the only goal that they've ever worked on and they, they miss other opportunities. So I, I was going through a little identity crisis as well. Um, but again, I was fortunate enough to like really be forward thinking and, and, and knowing that I wanted to pursue something in the health field. Uh, I took a year off following that year to sort of like work on myself, figure out exactly what I wanted to do in life. And that's where I started working as a personal trainer. So I actually worked as a personal trainer for LA Fitness out in Long Island, very close to Stony Brook University. And so I had now the experience of working with a physical therapist. Then I had the experience of, you know, I obviously working on my own body, you know, throughout sports in my whole life, but now helping others to achieve a certain level of fitness. And that is really where the idea for before I even got into, you know, physical therapy school was really the idea um, behind Fit Club. Uh, started then. And I was like, you know, why aren't, you know, physical therapists and strength and conditioning coaches working together? To me, it just makes like logical sense. So that's really where the idea for Fit Club like started brewing in my brain, then got into Stony Brook in 2010, and then graduated with my doctorate degree three years later. And then post Stony Brook, was working for a company here in the city for a little bit, an outpatient orthopedic clinic, um, was really doing really well. My patients loved me. They were specifically asking, you know, for me by name. I was, you know, an overachiever. That was just the sports athletic, you know, competitive side of me. It was like I always wanted to like overachieve and win and get this goal and reach this level and, you know, cut down this net and, you know, win this championship. So I just sort of shifted that intensity from sports to, you know, rehab and physical therapy. And I was doing really well at this company. And I felt like I was passed over for certain, you know, promotions and raises and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I can just do this on my own. You know, let me try this on my own, not knowing if I was going to succeed, fail, where I was going to be. But I, I just felt really empowered at that moment to sort of take my life into my you know, own hands. And I started Fit Club uh, about a year and a half, maybe two years out from, you know, physical therapy school. And since then, we've just really, you know, taken off. It's it's definitely from an outside perspective looking in and people might think like, oh, man, you guys are doing really well. You blew up. But like you don't really the outsider doesn't really see the day to day ebbs and flows. Like there was some really high highs and it was some really low lows um, along this journey. And there will continue to be more, you know, going into the future. But I'm just really proud of, you know, the product and the service that we are able to provide New York City. I'm proud uh, of our team and the people who helped us to get to where we are today. 
Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the future. You know, this year in particular, 2020 was a hell of a year. It was like a crash course. Like I went to Harvard Business School <laughs> and got like three years of education in like eight months. Um, yeah, for but, you know, it, it makes you stronger and we're still here. We're still kicking. We're blessed to be here and really looking forward to the opportunity and the challenge to just keep pushing the envelope forward. So that's that's my story. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many topics I want to dig into right from the get go. But what I want to start with is the blending of strength and conditioning with physical therapy. Right. And I think this was why you and I clicked in from the beginning for our audience. I actually was an early client of Kelly's when he just started out on his own. I remember getting referral from a referral to find you. And I met you and I was like, this young guy, he like looks so like fit. <laughs> I don't normally see physical therapists like this. And I also had so many terrible experiences in physical therapy. You know, I my first experience was in high school when I had this posterior tibialis injury in my early burgeoning dance career. And I got thrown into a boot for a few weeks to not move. And then after, I think it was maybe even three months after that, then mm -hmm. I was put into PT. And I remember the exercises he was showing me. And then at some point I had this idea of like, if I, if I walk on my foot on the side, I don't feel the pain anymore. So if I walk like this, is this okay? And he said, yes. And then within like my <laughs> first six months in college, you know, studying biomechanics, that was like week two, like compensations create injuries. And so of course, then later my Achilles tendon blew out and I had this whole like ricochet of injuries through my body. So by the time I went to see you for my neck, um, I remember being so impressed because you were already assessing my entire body, not just the injury point, which I'd never seen a physical therapist do. And I'd also mm -hmm. been like dabbling in the world of PT in college. I didn't take it quite as far as you did with my education, but um, to have met somebody who was integrating information from several different fields and synthesizing it, I, I just remember feeling like, oh my God, this feels like where medicine and fitness combine to create health and it felt so mm -hmm. i felt so safe and taken care of which was such a huge difference from what i typically felt in either of these industries mm, that is uh an amazing perspective and unfortunately is a perspective shared by far too many people there's been too many patients who've walked in my door and have said the pretty much the exact same thing and here's the problem that I see, is that physical therapists are intellects. They are smart people. A lot of times they have no background in sports, no background in exercise. And that right there is the disconnect. It's like, how could I tell you how to run wiring in your house if I've never set up wiring in your house, like I haven't done it personally. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, my perspective and the perspective that I really try to share with my team and, and the people who, who, who work for the company is put yourself in the patient's shoes, right? Like understand the needs for them and what their goals are. If that's dancing, like really breaking down the biomechanics of, of dancing and like, what do you need to, to be able to accomplish that? If it's baseball, if it's basketball, if it's Olympic weightlifting, uh, if it's powerlifting, like put yourself in the patient's shoes. And a lot of times there's a disconnect in particular when it comes to physical therapists with exercise is because they're, they're, they just, they've been really smart their whole entire lives. And a lot of times, you know, they, they don't have the background necessarily in sports. Like I was blessed to have. And for them to, you can't just learn movement in a classroom. You can't just learn movement through like a textbook. You have to actually move. You have to feel what it feels like, you know? And, and I think that's really been a blessing for me um, and, the, and the members of our team is that we have, and this is something I really look for within when I'm hiring, is that we, we look for, you know, PTs who have 
been in athletics who've participated in sports, you know, at a high level, not just like, oh, I did this in middle school, but the, the higher the level, the, the better the PT for me, because that means you can relate even better with your patients. And when you relate better with your patients, they understand and, and they feel that buy-in. Like when that therapist was telling you what to do in high school, you probably listened to what he said, but you probably didn't really feel that he had the the best information, even at the time, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I suggested this and he just said, okay, you know, but like when, when you, when you have that connection and you feel that this person is not only telling you the right thing, but for the right reasons, that's where like the magic happens. That's such an important point about the difference of intellectually understanding movement versus viscerally and experientially understanding it and how important it is for whatever movement worker you're working with, whether it is a trainer or it is a physical therapist, to have had a really in-depth and enriched experience of being in their body and navigating those highs and those lows. Because if somebody hasn't really been thoroughly versed in that, how do you communicate the intellect behind it? The, The application doesn't exist. And just like you said, every orthopedist, every PT I saw growing up for any dance injury, I just felt like they didn't understand a single thing I was talking about. Because, you know, the interventions were usually surgery or you stop or like, you know, and it's like, you don't understand this is, this is my life. I'm not giving this up for anything. So what can we do so that I, like, I know my body is smart. I know my body can get there. And even the exercises they were giving me, it just felt very textbook. It didn't feel you me. And I know that as a trainer, this was what allowed me to really stand out in my work was because I really cared about the sensation of it. So yes, I would use the intellectual, practical applications of these exercises for these reasons, but then I would take it even further and really help each individual understand from an internal perspective why what what to look for, why this was important. And then when we did the exercise itself, it also had more meaning, right? Because I was also much more excited about getting them to that level of body awareness and mechanics comprehension uh, so that they could feel empowered by doing this movement and know how it connects to their well, their health, their longevity, their well-being, rather than just like, oh, we do this thing and like, we'll hope it gets better. Yeah, there should be no wait and see approach. There should be, hey, we're doing this because you complained or you want to address this. And like, here's why. So now let's work on completing this. And your cues, whether they're verbal, they're, you know, they're manual cues, whatever your cues you're using to help your your client or your patient achieve the movement that you're looking for. You know, that's, that's great. Internal, external cues. But that connection as to I'm doing this because my goal is that is huge. And it's as simple as that. It it really is as simple as that. Since you guys hybridize physical therapy with strength training, what are some other things that you would say differentiate you from like a typical therapy clinic or an average gym? Yeah. Um, so right off the bat, it's just the atmosphere. When you walk in a fit club, it's like a bright, open, airy space. Uh, I really don't like, you know, private rooms. I've been in clinics before with private rooms and it, uh, there's no, it limits the team feeling. I really like that team feeling when you walk into a space, everyone knows your name, you can be greeted by name. Uh, so that's, that's number one. Number two is our, our facilities look and feel more like a sports performance facility literally just had this conversation with a brand new evaluation this past week and he walked into our office for the first time in Chelsea and he's like dude I I, I love the feel of this place like it feels like I'm gonna get like not only healthy but fit here and that's by design uh, we want our patients to come in knowing that hey where, wherever you are where you come in here that's not where you're gonna be when you leave and I want you know someone post-op day one you know having rehab next to someone who's post-op month 12 and seeing like the progression and watching how hard they're working and the sweat dripping off of their face. And, and, and I want, 
I want patients, clients, anyone who might be observing a treatment to not know if it's personal training or physical therapy that's happening, mm-hmm. right? Because to me, that is the, the tall tale sign of us doing the right thing for that patient, depending on what their goals are, obviously. If this is you know, a 65-year-old woman who just wants to be able to like go up and down and, and go to Trader Joe's and be able to go up and down you know, her, her three-story walk-up, that's fine. You know, She doesn't need to be doing like battle ropes on the floor. However, you know, our, our basketball players, our football players, our Olympic weightlifters who, you know, want to get back to, you know, that competitive sport, we have to push them there. And your, your practice should be harder than your game. That was one of the things from, you know, sports that I like really take and use with Fit Club and what we're doing in the office is that, you know, when I'm working with you, I want to make sure that I'm like working you as hard as physically possible, obviously respecting your your pain and, and your tissue tolerance. But that's the only way that I know that when you go out and do these things on your own, that, you know, you have the best chance of success. If we're only getting up to a 60% threshold in rehab, and then you go out and you're going to a 100% threshold on your own, I've never seen you do that. I don't know how successful you're going to be. I don't know if your if your tissues and your mu- your muscular capacity is going to hold, you know, as we jump up another 40%. I need to see you do that in front of me. And mm-hmm. that's what's again the my experience and what I really try to like, you know, the knowledge that I really try to input into my team is that make rehab hard so that the real world is easy. Mm. Yeah, and I remember like Some of the exercises you put me through in my neck rehab, (laughs) it was humbling, right? Because here I am, somebody who has like this vast breadth of movement experience and knowledge and is by all intensive purposes, strong and capable and athletic. But like what my experience was is you really found sort of the missing links in my chain and some of like those hidden gaps. And so then you went there and you were like, all right, now go. And (laughs) just like it was so challenging mentally emotionally and physically and not in the ways you would expect either. You know, I I just talked to uh, someone about this this morning was like how a lot of times we confuse simple things as easy, but a lot of times it's these simple things that are incredibly hard and they're hard because we haven't devoted ourselves enough to them. And, and I've loved that. That's, that's really like the standout feature and that you take it that extra mile of like, Every practice in your space is a challenge because if you can challenge the body and the human there, and if you can challenge whatever needs to be challenged, whether it's like the misalignment and get into alignment, or if it's optimizing somebody for their performance, if you're challenging in the practice, then you're ensuring somebody is able to access that at a moment's notice when they need, whether it's on the field or in real life. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's... I mean, that's sports and that's life. Yeah, there's no syllabus for it. You know, and you can't predict everything that's going to happen, but you need to be able to react. And mm-hmm. if I can force you to do that in the clinic, I feel confident that outside of our controlled environment, and it's not really controlled, but outside of this controlled space, that you will be successful. And that's where patients come back and they're like, hey, I ran this marathon or, hey, I played this game or, hey, I was like super nervous to get back out there on the tennis court. But, you know, I played this weekend and like I feel amazing. Thank you so much. Like that that to me is what really feels fills my heart and my soul Mm -hmm. when I hear that from patients. Yeah. No, that was my experience every time I worked with you. So everybody who's in New York, go see him. And I think you guys actually, actually, this brings me to my next question. So COVID-19, wow, that's sort of disrupted Mm. everything this year. And Mm -hmm. I'm especially these service industries where we're working like person to person. And I imagine that physical therapy in particular is a bit more challenging than like a training session to move online because you're not only assigning exercises, but as a physical therapist, you do manual manipulation, meaning you're moving body parts. You're actually trying to release and open up tissue with all these different techniques. So in 
context of the pandemic and all these lockdowns we've had, how have you pivoted your services to be able to continue to help and support your clientele during these times? Yeah, COVID-19 has been a huge disruptor um, in a lot of spaces. And in our space, it's no different. We've had to transition a lot of you know, how we help people online. Uh, thank God we were early adopters. You know, the first week, everything like really went down in New York. I believe it was March 16th. And then two days later, we basically had moved everyone online. There's some unique challenges, whether it's, you know, Wi-Fi connection, the, the space and, you know, New York City apartments and studios, uh, equipment. But we've really been able to help a lot of people. And it actually has opened up my eyes to the potential for physical therapy, because even though we weren't physically able to put our hands on and manipulate, you know, tissue to manipulate, you know, joint capsules, we were still able to be and, and have our patients have great outcomes, um, which was phenomenal uh, based on our outcome measures that we give our patients for neck pain, for back pain, for hip and knee pain. Um, our outcome measures were still exceeding industry standards. So I think that goes along with, you know, again, our continuing education that we provide for our staff, um, but also just being super flexible and helping people. If we just rely on our hands to help people, then we have to be there, you know, with them every single session. And that's part of it, especially in the beginning. However, you know, if you're relying on me to just manipulate things with my hands, then you're always going to need me. Like, that's great because it helps me as like a business owner. But my idea is to try to get patients and clients to also be independent. So it really forced us to like think outside the box as well as to what can we use at home, whether it's a lacrosse ball, whether it was a softball, tennis ball, obviously sending links to people so that they can purchase things on their own. But the pandemic has really forced us to to shift a lot of things online. We still see people online. I have people who are in New York who just don't feel comfortable coming in or traveling on the subway. They still rather be virtual. Then we were able to also help out new patients, new clients, whether it's California. I have a patient in Barbados right now. And the Internet has actually expanded and helped us to help even more people because now it was like you had to be, you know, close proximity to our clinic. Now it's like, do you have access to Wi-Fi? Because uh, we can help you out. Hmm. Yeah, I, lo I love that within the challenge, there was actually so much opportunity for you. And, you know, this is something I sort of had been watching from the back end. And granted, I'm in fitness and health and wellness as well. So I've been directly impacted too. But for me, there's been so much that's already needed to change in these industries, right? they were kind of collapsing in on themselves from the standpoint of the model is always, how can we get people to continue to need us? Like you mentioned, versus how can we get people to not, how can we get them to be self-sufficient and independent? And really the, the businesses that have been flourishing during this time are those who were able to adapt and pivot with the circumstances. And those who really, also encourage more of that independence and self-sufficiency. Yeah, at home, you know, so we, 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 I partnered up with a, a company called Famer and we have an app now so that you can get rehab in, in your pocket. You know, you have to be where the patients, clients are. And if they can't come to you, then how can you come to them? So mm. that's that's really what uh, COVID forced and how COVID really forced me to think is, you know, where are people right now? Everyone's on their phone. Uh, I just watched this uh, documentary and it was just telling them like how much time you spend on your phone. I looked at it. Actually, I'm doing pretty well. My, and then I spoke to my wife about it and she's like double what I am, you know, so <laughs> but like everyone's on their phone. Right. Like, so mm. how do you how do you how do you now help someone who's always on their phone? You, you serve them things that can help them in their life through the technology that they're using. And, and, and that's apps, that's online, uh, that's through Zoom, 
Uh, we've had Zoom workout classes. We've done Zoom mobility classes. We've done Instagram live workout classes. There's, and some are more successful than others, but you have to, you have to like throw paint at the wall, especially in a time where like stuff is just crazy. Like no one could have ever predicted this. And, you know, it's uncomfortable. It's frustrating. You want to like put your anger towards someone, but you can't. And then you just got to deal with it. You just have to say, hey, this is my life right now. And I'm going to I'm going to control what I can control. And that's my effort. And and that's my content. And, you know, that's the 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 power that I have within me to help others. And I'm going to just put it out there, whether that's YouTube, whether that's Instagram, whether that's TikTok, whether that's Snapchat, whether that's Zoom, whether that's house party, like whatever that is, you know, just do it and then reassess. And that's what we've been doing. And it's been successful. It's been Mm. successful. And I I just want to keep, you know, doing that. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. So Mm. the last thing that I did, though, and for anyone listening out there right now is don't stop. Don't complain. Don't poor me. Don't all 2020 is the worst. Like 2020 is going to be the worst for people who think it's the worst. And guess what? 2020 is also going to be the best for people who think it's going to be the best. Like, where do you want to be? And you have the decision and you have the choice. Um, Just go make it, just go make it and stop feeling sorry for yourself. Like, and it's tough because, you know, some people have experienced great, great, great and significant loss during this time. And my heart uh, goes out to all of those people, but don't let loss stop you. And, And it's easy to say and harder to do, but at the end of the day, what's happened has happened. And no matter if we are feeling great or terrible about it, the, the, the one constant is that you're not going to change it. So for me, my perspective is to, in, in the midst of knowing that I can't change what's happening around me to the people around me, I rather, and I choose move forward and have positive thinking as opposed to moving forward with negative thinking Mm. because it's what I think does isn't going to change anything regardless whether it's positive or negative but I know that if I have a positive and growth and empathetic mindset that I have a chance of being better after this but if I have the opposite I have no shot in hell no shot in hell of coming out stronger so I, I at least want to put myself in a position to come out stronger. And those those things that I mentioned are, are I believe, prerequisites to making that actually happen. Well, we don't have control over anything except how we think and how we feel. Right. And it's very easy to feel like, oh, no, no, no. The, the circumstances are controlling how I think or feel. But Actually, the one thing you have control over are the thoughts you are thinking about and how you are orienting yourself in relationship to that. And that is a a tricky thing. Like you said, it's easy to say and it's hard to do. But something I've gone into the practice of this year, which I applied the second this quarantine hit, and you better believe I've had some great highs, but I've had some terrible lows in it. And in the midst of all those challenges, I chose to adopt the perspective of this is working out for me. And this may be outside of what I expected, outside of what I wanted to happen. But what out of what is happening now can I draw some new learning, new perspective from? Like, where is there an opportunity here that perhaps I was not positioned to see before? Mm-hmm. And every time I look at a challenge or an unexpected obstacle or even a failure and instead see it as like, okay, where are the doors opening now, right? I like to think of it as like universal signposts or like the GPS system moving you to places saying turn here and you're like but I want to stay on this road this is where I thought I was going it's sometimes turning here actually leads you someplace better than you realized was out there right Mm -hmm. and it gets you 
to where you want to be faster or it arrives with more fun or there's more fulfillment or there's a new discovery there. So instead of getting caught up in that spiral, like shift the perspective just a little bit. And it goes a long way because if we can change our emotional state of being in these unprecedented and unexpected times, that also has a big, big impact on our health right? Because that cascades down into our biology, it cascades into our bodies, and how we experience the day to day of our lives. Mm, I love that. And it even goes down into, you know, for me, my patients, right? Like the people who are, you know, thinking more positively about the environment that we're currently in, those people are, again, on their outcome measures. And when we're retesting them or reevaluating them, they're performing at a much better and faster clip um, than our patients who who aren't. So it's it's the the brain is a very powerful tool, and you know depending on where we put our energy, we can either do ourselves a great you know disservice or we can actually be propelling ourselves forward. So I just I just feel like it's very important for our listeners to really you know hear that and understand that because it's hard out there for everyone. This is not something that anybody wanted um, and we everyone's had the shift. So it's just it's better to try to make that shift a little sooner for your mental as well as your potential. I love that. I am briefly interrupting this interview to announce that we are thrilled to have launched Evolna's new on-demand app where you have unlimited access to all of our intuitive movement exercises, workouts, and meditations designed to help you become the expert of your body while creating a more fulfilling relationship with yourself. We're offering a special discount. The first month trial is only $1. Sign up through our link in the show notes and include checkout code EVOLNA1 to redeem the offer. Now, back to the interview. Well, this actually leads me into my next question. And you've already sort of been insinuating some details around it. But what specific changes have you noticed cropping up in your clients' health as a result of the pandemic? Have there been any specific needs that you've found you guys have needed to address a lot more since this all hit in March? Yeah, so um, in particular with New York, uh, so we have a lot of, you know, patients, clients working from home. So neck injuries, shoulder injuries or pain, back pain. We've seen a significant spike in, in those areas. Again, people are working on laptops. They're either sitting on their couch, they're in their bed, and they're curled over. Work from home means basically work, you know, for life. <laughs> it's like people are working way longer. And, and they're just spending way more time in front of either a computer or a phone. So there's inherent risks um, that come with that. In particular, again, like I mentioned to your neck, your low back, your shoulders. Um, so we've seen a pretty significant spike. Uh, I also think people are just way more health conscious now. Uh, a pandemic also does that to people in the sense that they have been putting off, you know, especially New Yorkers. We're like tough, tough, go, 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 don't stop. Uh, no pain, no gain. Uh, but I think this time and just the, the culture of the time that we're in, people are really taking, you know, the opportunity to say, hey, like, I've been dealing with this for quite some time and it hasn't gotten better. You know, maybe I should get this looked at. Maybe I should get this examined. So I think, you know, more and more patients are realizing the importance of health. And then the last, the last piece is movement. You know, in the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was just really, you know, trying to figure out what was going to happen. You know, what was going to be like their role in this? You know, were they furloughed? Were they working? Were they, you know, let go? And, you know, there's still definitely a lot of that going on. But uh, there's also, you know, we, we're, we're, we're months in now, you know, eight months in. So now people are also realizing that you know, we thought this was just going to be a small lifestyle change. And now this has grown into a much larger lifestyle change. Like, what do I need to do to be healthy in this new lifestyle? So I think that's the third aspect that I've seen um, at our facilities since the since the pandemic. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not somebody who 
works at a desk, but suddenly I'm now at a desk all the time. And um, my mom actually made a joke a couple of weeks ago. She was like, remember how you said you were never going to be doing desk work? Like, look at you now. <laughs> because it's true. Like now I'm spending, you know, upwards of 10 to 12, some days, 15 hours behind a screen. And I never used to. Um, and that comes with a few different things. But like you said, this going from, you know, a two month in like little intermission into something that's much longer where we really don't know when our next like shift out of this will be. And if it does happen, it will be gradual. Now I see the same, like everybody's as we're preparing for this second lockdown, which is, you know, happening in some areas and on its way in others. Everybody's really considering like, okay, now that we've done this the first time, what do I know from that experience that I want to do differently? How do I set boundaries in like my work and my personal life? How do I make sure I'm taking care of my body, knowing the challenges like of this environment of being indoors and at home? And how can I be much softer and gentler with myself uh, throughout this process? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think like, you know, also being in the health and fitness industry, we have a lot we can do to help shift that for people, right? Because personally, I've noticed there's been this big gap between fitness and medicine, both as like the industries people have relied on to address health. But overall, neither of these industries really addresses health. You know, uh, a previous uh, interview I did on here, one of the guests mentioned that like fitness is about, you know, strength and athleticism primarily, and then and aesthetics. And then on the health side, oh, not the health, the medicine side is actually about pathology, right? So it's about assessing your prevalence to possibly being sick or diseased in some way. So where where do we have an industry that's really looking on bringing our health to the forefront, which that is sort of associated with the mindset perspective you keep bringing us back to, right? Where is your focus position? Is it positioned into what's going to go wrong? Or is it going to go into where you can feed yourself, nourish yourself, fulfill yourself more? And the truth is we all have thousands of resources right here at our fingertips, simple resources that actually go a long way in terms of servicing our health. And if we're able to execute those more consistently and more deliberately and diligently and devote ourselves to that, that's what starts to also shift the momentum in the other direction and have us and help us gain more clarity, more resourcefulness, more ingenuity, and, and more of the skills we need to be able to continue to weather like all this unpredictability. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's great. And I mean, I think the responsibility is on personal trainers. The responsibility is on physical therapists, on mental health experts, on chiropractors, on mass massage therapists. Like you said, we, we have access to all of this info at our fingertips. You know, put it out there. Keep putting it out there. The the one thing that is tough is that sometimes the consumer is looking for the quick fix or the sexy headline, and that's mm -hmm. that's the struggle. That's really the struggle. But find find your target population and and go for it. That's that that would be my advice for any of the you know professionals that I just mentioned is. You know, get out there because people want to hear what you have to say. It's just it has to be served in a way that they feel is pleasant to their eyes and their ears. Well, and I also wonder sometimes if part of the reason the consumer goes after the quick fixes is because these industries continue to play into that, right? Again, from like the sales perspective and like it doesn't matter as long as like you bought it. Um and yeah, I think it is our responsibility uh, in the fitness fields and in the health-oriented fields to be deliberate, to not to not be seeking those shortcuts. But like you said, do the work. And this, this is a parallel when you're dealing with COVID, right? This is also a parallel when you're building a business. And it's significant when it comes to just addressing your personal health and well-being. You know, like the 
shortcuts don't really exist. It's about perseverance. It's about continuity, frequency, and diligently returning back to the same things. Like, despite the times when you may or may not want to, like some of the habits I've made sure to stay consistent on, like I've been accruing a few for myself. Now that quarantine's happened, it was again, a big wake up call for my health because as a trainer, then trying to start a business independent of that at the same time, like I, I was in complete disarray with my body and, and a lot of different parts of my health. And since then, I've also been a lot more diligent about my meditations and doing them first thing in the morning because I've noticed if I get my mind and my thinking in the right flow, and if I can find that level of freedom and energy within my body, that sense of feeling safe and like everything's okay and I'm capable, that sets the tone for the entire day. And now I'm going even further, layering out caffeine, layering out alcohol entirely because because I just want to really show up in the best version of myself I I can be. I've hit that in pockets before, but now I'm trying to develop continuity with it. And of course there are days where I'm like, no, I want the cup of coffee. Like I woke up tired. So what do I do instead? How do I pivot? Have another two glasses of water, you know, do some breath work, maybe stretch and move a little bit, right? But but the truth is that it takes a lot of deliberate focus, but these small seeds go a long way and they are so much more sustainable than trying to get the quick fix, right? It's not even about the now. It's what this will reap for you later in the future. And, you know, when you ask people if they want quick fixes that can't be maintained, or if they want something that's maybe a little slower to pick up, but can be maintained their whole lives, they, they want the main, they want something sustainable. But the problem is they're not making choices from that. And I do think like, the more, the more we encourage that, and the more we make it obvious to people, and the more we, we we like can even have measurable changes with that, like you've been able to do with all of your patients and clients, I think that's the moment where we're able to shift out of these uh, fractured industries that aren't looking at our health and act and create that more health oriented perspective for the general population. I, I agree. And I think it also so we mentioned a lot of people, you know, in the health fitness space, but I also think it's on the the legislators as well, you know, those who deem, you know, liquor stores to be essential as opposed to, you know, mental health spaces, that um, that, that just shows where you're, you're showing where you're aligned, right? And that, mm. that's tough for me. Um, so I also want to put the pressure, you know, on, on those people as well who are making, you know, some of these mandates, especially when it comes to businesses open and closing. It's just take a real hard look at, at that and what you actually deem essential. Because when you have, you know, tons of people who are anxious, depressed, and now drunk, that's a little bit harder to deal with as opposed to yeah. anxious, depressed, but have access to tools that can help them. So. Yeah. I mean, mental health, it's like a big, it's a whole topic that, um, me and my business partner, Natasha, have been exploring in depth. Right. And it's, really fascinating how much stigma is still associated with it. And while truthfully, mental health is like a positive thing that everybody should have, it's still seen as a negative indicator of like something being wrong with someone. And then people shy away from really wanting to address their mental health and well-being, right? There's there's still like this stigma, stigma associated with it. But it's really interesting to look at ancient cultures and where their priorities lied. I remember a friend of mine telling me a story that in many Native American tribes, if you felt depressed for one day, you saw the shaman on that day to resolve it. Like you stopped and dropped everything to basically assess what was going on because they saw that as a significant problem, even higher priority than an injury. And so when we look at how many people walk around depressed for weeks and months and years and don't address it at all, right? And, and there isn't even that much talk about it in, in media, in the news, in, in health and fitness and medicine settings. I think that's all, and politics, like you mentioned, that, that's kind of a glaring indicator. And for me, 
witnessing everything from the pandemic, I think it's shining a light on all these areas that are essential for us to look at that we've been avoiding. And it's giving us the opportunity to face them and feel them head on and then start to make choices to actually address those components of our lives. Mm, I love that. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, this has been such a scintillating conversation. Thank you so much for coming on with us, Kellen. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And you've already offered so much wisdom, but I always like to offer our guests the opportunity to share any last words of wisdom as we finish up our interview today. Okay, so I have two little tidbits for you guys. So for those um, who are professionals, health, fitness, wellness, keep pushing, keep going. Uh, If I stopped, you know, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, would have no chance of, you know, being where, you know, I am and where Fit Club is today. So that's the first thing um, is persevere. Second, for anyone listening who is looking to achieve optimal health, optimal fitness, really vet, number one, whoever you're going to work with, I think that is very important, just like when we, you know, look at reviews as to where you're going to go eat or, you know, clothes that you might buy or appliances that you might buy. I think it is very important to vet the professionals that you're going to work with, uh, in particular, if you have specific goals that you're looking to attain. Again, I don't want any more patients going to, I don't want to talk badly about any other PTs, but going to second class PT facilities, but looking for first class PT results. It's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of money. And that goes for not just PT. It goes for, you know, personal training. When, when I say PT, I'm specifically talking about physical therapy, just to clarify mm-hmm. for any of the listeners. But so for physical therapy, personal training, chiropractic care, acupuncture, vet your professionals. It might take a little time in the beginning, but it'll be so worth it in the end. Uh, So that's Mm -hmm. my two perils for everyone out there. Yeah, that last one, especially how not all service is created equal, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to health. And I if you don't have experience in it, find somebody who, you know, is experienced and take time, time to find it, time to suss out who works for you, who doesn't, because um, I think it's very easy to just assume that that person is an expert, but the truth is they are one of many and not all of them are created equal. Some have much greater expertise and devotion than others. Mm -hmm. Amen. That is the truest thing I've heard today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Kellen, thank you so much for giving us your time and and sharing so many of your insights and pearls of wisdom with us. It was such a joy having you on here today. Thank you so much. Really, really, really appreciate it, Marie. You're doing an amazing job. Keep it up. And I'm looking forward to continuing to seeing big and amazing things from you in the future. Thank you for tuning in with us today. You can find contact information and all references made during the show in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and spread the love by sharing with family and friends. If you want to learn more or would like additional support in your movement relationship, head to our website at evolna.com. Be gentle, be generous, and be good to yourself. And have a beautiful day.